This podcast is meant for general health information and is not meant to override any medical advice. All questions will be screened and not contain any personal information. If you want a private consultation, contact us via positivechoice.org or you can contact your provider directly. Thank you and enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to the Positive Choice Wellness Podcast. I am Annalise Piazza, an exercise physiologist here. I'm Melanie Perkins. I'm also an exercise physiologist. And today we are welcoming a very special guest. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know. The, you're, you're a pretty big guy around here. And um, if you are wondering who it is, we have Dr. Michael Moreno, better known as Dr. Mike. Hello, everybody. Yes, Dr. Mike is the preferred term. Yes. I got over the whole long formal thing. Now, Dr. Mike just flows much easier. It Although is. Everybody always says, so why do they call you that? I'm like, well, I'm actually, I'm a doctor. And they're like, oh, really? So, <laughs> but yeah, you we're going to go with that. Just the little title, giving it away. Right, right. <laughs> so if you don't know, Dr. Mike is the author of the very popular 17-day diet, which is worldwide and then a whole bunch of programs that came off of that like a cookbook like a the breakthrough a workbook ooh, and plan to stop aging yeah right i you know i messed up when we came up with that title because i was like it shouldn't have been stop aging because that can imply a bad thing stopping to age um, <laughs> you know if you go down be, that path yeah right it should be aging gracefully <laughs> but too late Eh. Too late now. I like it. I like it. It's but, catchy. People will clap, latch on to that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but what's even more important to us here is that Dr. Mike is the physician director of patient education and health promotion here at Positive Choice. I'm with my colleagues, which is the most important, right? Two near and dear colleagues of mine that I get to work with with regularity in our beautiful location here. Yes, our, <laughs> so, our penthouse. Yeah, I know. Literally. <laughs> Not too bad. Top floor suite. Love it. That's right. That's really a nice view of the freeway. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dr. Mike, we are we're super happy to have you here. And I think one of the things that has been on my mind lately is that you know, everybody's getting vaccinated these days. And you're a doctor. Can you give us a little down low? Like, how, how do vaccines work? Should we be worried? Is it going to make us sick? Yeah, so it loaded question, right? Um, <laughs> vaccines have been around for decades. And um, obviously, I think the, the really heightened level of anxiety in most people this, with this particular vaccine, well, was, number one was the pandemic, but number two was, how did they do this so quickly? And, you know, when you look at, and I get it, you know, we live in a very... Uh, uh, a, a very apprehensive world. There's a lot of speculation, and and even more so, it, it's gotten worse, quite honestly, or more palpable, I should say. So I think there's always this apprehension um, in the fact that things were done quickly. But when you look at the data and the science, and I can only tell you what I've reviewed and looked at, um, there weren't any steps cut short. You know, th this this vaccine was not put out without the proper precautions being done. I think what my personal opinion is that this showcased the potential true inefficiencies that we have utilized over the past many years. Um, 
quite honestly, I relay this to the middleman getting cut out. And we went from the source. This was a world pandemic, something we've never, at least any of us that are alive now, ever experienced before. And so it was kind of like, listen, all hands on deck, no shenanigans, no big farmer going to make big money, no middleman, no this, no that. It was get this out, make it safe. And honestly, when you look at the track record it's had thus far, it's if not one of the most safest vaccines and um, effective vaccines that we've had in decades. Yes, 95 percentile. Yeah, and there haven't really been a lot of like major, I mean, listen, I've heard of worse side effects with the shingles vaccine. And, and, you know, everybody's different. You can't predict it. Again, it's like anything else. You know, penicillin's a great drug, but then if you take it and you've never had it and you're allergic, then that could be a bad thing. But no one's in the business of, you know, being able to predict the future and, and reading minds. Um, we don't know. And uh, we are doing the best that we can. And, you know, given the situation at hand, I think this was the way we needed to go. Had it not been for this vaccine, we just went through a tremendous surge um, that was three, three and a half, four times worse than we had back in April and May. Mm-hmm. At least when we came out of this one, I had some element and some degree of confidence that we had something. When we came out of that one in May or whenever it was, well, we came out with nothing. <laughs> I mean, we came out with fear, and rightfully so. But we, you know, there were things being done and in the pipeline. But listen, it, it, without this vaccine, we would be in a tremendous world of hurt. You know, something that I've seen a lot, um, because I'm on a few Facebook groups, and they'll mention, you know, like, I'm nervous to get the vaccine because of side effects, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and my argument is, of course, and I'm not a doctor, as you know, but (laughs) my argument is, if you're having side effects, that not that a sign of a good immune response? I don't know if I'm correct in saying that. So you're you're absolutely right. So there, you have to separate out a a normal immune reaction from maybe a an unpredictable uh, sort of allergic reaction, sensitivity reaction, whatever you want to say. The immune response quite often in many vaccines will give you that day or two of malaise and fever and body aches, right? Um, So yeah, there is an element that says your immune response, um, and when you look at people who actually had COVID and you look at some of the studies when they look at certain antibodies and antibody titers and things like that, very clearly that that there are people who had lighter cases who didn't have quite the antibody or immune response as compared to people who had really severe cases. So to your point, and it's a very valid one, um, yeah, there is an expected reaction. Now, we don't all get that, right? Um, I I, I can speak from, you know, personal experience. My first one, I I never skipped a beat. I was in the pool, you know, that day swimming, never had any. Now the second dose, I felt something. Now, I know people who felt something both doses. I know people who never felt anything on either or vice versa. You know what I'm saying? The end result is this is something that is going to prevent some serious, serious illness and quite and unfortunately death in literally millions of people. And so we have to have faith. Um, And like I said, I think there's a lot of... uh, lack of faith these days and uh, in, in the current times. But I, I, I think so far this track record since this thing's been out is pretty, pretty phenomenal. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting that you said you didn't have much of a reaction because Melanie and I both had, yeah. like, it floored us. Dose one, dose two. On but, the couch all day. Yeah. But the, 
it wasn't that bad. I mean, right. it was not great, but it wasn't anything compared to being on a ventilator. Mm-hmm. Sure. Right? And it wasn't hospital worthy. Right. No. Yeah. No. Right. And now the the freedom I feel to like be in a room with you guys. Yeah, isn't it weird? Be out. You're like, <laughs> it is weird. I, yeah. I'm safe. And I didn't yeah. realize how much that was weighing on me before. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think to take it another step, it's the fact that we, and, and again, this is still being questioned, but for the most part, if you've been vaccinated, the risk of you carrying um, the virus is minimal if it, if at all. And so not only does it give you a sigh of relief, but it also gives your friends and family and loved ones a sigh of relief knowing that when you're around them, especially when everybody's vaccinated, there's really a uh, sort of a breath of fresh air there. But yeah, you know, everybody's different. And um, like I tell my patients, it's, it's better than the alternative, right? Um, that's always been my argument. I've yeah. been hesitant. I'm like, but it's better than COVID. Right. So. <laughs> I mean, and you don't know who you are. Yeah, it's the elderly population. Yeah, they tend to have comorbid conditions. Yeah, but there are a few outliers. And uh, that's not a lottery you want to win. You know, and they say about, you know, your odds of winning uh, Powerball are one in 20 billion. Well, if you can give me a free ticket in with the vaccine, Cool, you know, but I don't want to take that risk of being that one person. However low the risk, right? If there's a one in a hundred chance of crossing the street and getting hit by a car, I may not cross the street. But if I have some degree of protection, i.e. a vaccine that will protect me from crossing the street, even though it's a one in a hundred chance that I get hit by a car, listen, give me the protection. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, many of the comorbidities a lot of us have. I have asthma. That's a comorbidity. Right. I don't want the, <laughs> I don't want COVID. <laughs> I, I think, and you know, I think this is appropriate given that I'm speaking to you two, but I, I think this is also, we're going to learn a lot in the next three to five to 10 years. Um, but it, my bet, if I had to put it all on the line, I'm going to bet that when this is all said and done, um, you know, clearly the elderly and the more really, really seriously ill, not, I'm not talking just like asthma, but people who have serious comorbid conditions, clearly they're going to be the highest risk, without a doubt. Nursing home patients were a third of the deaths, a third. Mm. So I think when you talk about young population, I hate to say this because I'm 53, so I always say young is under 50. I think we're going to see that the two outlying things are, number one, Lack of physical fitness. Lack of people who do not exercise, plain and simply put. Obesity, close second, is what I'm, again, this is what I'm guessing. But um, I, I think it's going to be people who just are not fit that are going to be higher risk for those younger, quote-unquote, healthy populations. And I think obesity will be right behind that. What I, I want to mention, too, because you mentioned that, and one thing, you know, as they're saying, people who are obese or overweight have more of a, a risk of getting COVID and, and co- that comorbidity in and of itself. But something to think about is we're in this pandemic where we're not going outside, we're not leaving our house, your whole r- r- routine has been flipped upside down, and they're saying that people's weights are kind of going out of control now. So right. we're trying to protect people from getting COVID, but now in a sense, they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot by gaining weight because they're stuck indoors, and then now they're having these comorbidities they didn't have before. So... Which is thankfully why um, when you look at weight um, change, gain, loss, whatever, let's just use weight gain, I I feel like it's 85% diet. I think 15% of it is nutrition. 
I think if you take someone, because over the years, I've been doing this for decades now, when you take people who come in and they, basically you can out-exercise a bad diet. So 15% exercise. 15% when it comes to weight. Now granted, yes, exercise yeah. okay. is important for cardiovascular and pulmonary and immunity and circulation and muscles and bones and joints yeah. and all of these things. But if you're saying purely weight, if you stick to a clean diet, you can get away with less, less exercise. So to your point, yeah, we can't, but, and I say this, I do this all the time with my patients because patients will come in and say, well, um, I can't exercise the way I used to because I hurt my back or whatever it is, right? Whatever their incapacitation is, whatever their barrier is for being able to exercise, I say, well, it's a good thing that, I, that probably most weight gain comes from bad food intake. You guys know more than I do than it does exercise. I really feel that if you eat clean and you're really protective about your carb intake, which ones, how much, when you have them, I've always talked about carb placement as being the most critical part of carbs. I think you can get away with the, the exercise lapsing. You know, and the other thing is you gotta get creative. You know, we can all make reasons why we can't do things, but I tell my patients over and over, tell me what you can do, not what you can't, and tell me what you did, not what you failed to do, because those other things don't help us. So, you know, when people can't do something, it does, it's not helpful. It's like, what can you do? So if you're cooped up inside, well, you can still walk around inside, get on an exercise bike, stationary bike, walk in your garage, walk. So there's always a way to figure out what you can do. Yeah, you can't do a lot of things, but it just means be clean with what you eat, be hyper vigilant about your calories, not so much calories because I'm not a calorie guy, but carb intake, portion control, and most importantly, carb placement. But, you know, once things allow you to be more active, well, then I think you can be a bit more liberal with your diet. So, so true. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, we could even we can even expand on that and flip it where it's like when we're talking about weight, mm-hmm. nutrition is number one yep. because to burn off 300 calories could take you an hour but right. you could eat it in three seconds. Totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but when, then when we talk about health, right, it's, well, it's not quite a flip. I caught myself mid-sentence on that. It's not quite a flip, but exercise becomes much more important when we're talking about health and, right. like, cardiovascular health and... Stress management, stress right? Stress management, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. all of those things, right? But, yeah, you're, to your point, like, you know, I'm a swimmer. I swim pretty aggressively, pretty hard. But yeah, it's like, I go out there and I'll swim like, you know, 22, 2300 meters pretty quickly. And I'm like, 400 calories burn. I'm like, 400 calories, mm-hmm. you know, well, that's like a Gatorade. <laughs> swimming is about efficiency. Of course you're right. gonna burn less calories. If you're a bad swimmer, you burn more calories, <laughs> FYI. Uh, <laughs> yes, Melanie, Melanie taught me how to swim for fitness one time and it was exhausting it's yes, a good, because I'm not a swimmer. <laughs> it's a good, yeah, but if you're not a swimmer like me, like I used to run a lot. I mean, I've always been a swimmer, but then fast forward now, I just only stay in the pool. And if I go and run, man, I run like one block and I'm exhausted, but... I can swim a mile without, you know, without even getting short of breath. So, yeah, I think um, you make a really good point, Annalise, which is health. What do we define as health? Well, it's a very broad definition, right? Mm -hmm. It's immunity. It's mental health. It's physicality. It's flexibility. It's mobility. It's a reduction of inflammation, both from the brain and and the rest of the organs in the body. So I think, uh, you know, uh, exercise is critical for that but I think if you're just solely talking about a number on a scale 
I think you're talking food, 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 because you can out-exercise. You can, I tell patients all the time, listen, you could exercise 10 hours a day, but if your diet sucks, let me tell you, you will gain weight. Yeah, I always, I kind of reference it in regard to weight. Exercise in terms of weight loss is not a super significant portion Correct. of weight loss, but when it comes to your overall health, right, 100%. it is a huge factor in that. So that's why you see people, and I always tell, this, I tell people this all the time, it's better to be overweight and in shape the normal weight and out of shape because you're going to have way less comorbidities because your body is in a better condition to function versus if you don't exercise at all. And that's the point exactly, I think, with COVID is that when you're looking at people who are seemingly, yeah, maybe a little overweight or maybe not much overweight at all, but they're not fit. They don't exercise. I mean, we all know those people who are super thin and limber and lanky and put them on a treadmill for 30 seconds and they pass an out because they're not, they don't have a fitness level. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you, you know, you be careful of what you're asking, but, but I think it is a great conversation because the definition of health is not just the number on the scale. We all know that mm-hmm. we focus on that because that's what I think if you were to ask people, what's the first word that comes to mind when you think of health, people will say, wait, it's like the most tangible portion of it. Totally. But it's, there's so much more to it. So, uh, you know, the whole body, right? Treat the whole body. So I think to kind of sum up when we're talking about weight gain in quarantine, mm. if it's hard to get exercise, if you have had that pulled out from the rug in front of you, then make sure, like put all that energy into preparing your meals and making sure that you're eating whole foods and vegetables and it's it. clean, yeah, clean, clean, clean. No, that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. And and it's true if you have an injury. If you, It's true if you're not able to do what you typically do from an exercise standpoint. You can't just full steam ahead with your normal diet. You just can't. You got to be able to recognize, hey, I'm not as active as I can. So get creative. What can you do from a physical activity standpoint? And be clean about what you eat. Yeah, I would say that's... Probably the the thing that people find the hardest, though, as I've talked uh, to Now, that's a whole different... If you're stuck inside <laughs> with other people in your life, you're right. like, but chips. Yeah. Then now you are 10 feet away from something you didn't want in your house. Yeah, so I'm fortunate to live by myself, <laughs> and I have complete control over both what's in my house, what gets eaten, uh, and I'm fortunately not the uh, victim of saboteurs. And, and uh, you know, I have two cats, but they're pretty much cool about letting me do what I want, but they don't have much influence on my food intake. I would hope not. That'd be odd. You're not trying to eat their food. You're not looking at their food like, wow, no, I no, just no. wish. Maybe the tuna. One of them eats tuna. But uh, Well, actually, it's funny because one eats, not to get off topic, but one eats tuna and one eats yogurt, believe it or not. Huh. Yogurt? Yeah. Healthy yeah. cat? Shabani yogurt. Non-fa- I, don't ask me why. And don't even ask me. I figured it out, but yeah. <laughs> true story. I really love the idea that you have cats, Dr. Mike, that you are feeding human food and just like they're living the best life. Hey, it's tuna and, and uh, non-fat Greek yogurt, right? So those are so you got a probiotic and a healthy, pro, clean protein, right? Yeah. Healthy cats. Love it. <laughs> so, okay. You mentioned something that I want to go back on, um, which is carb placements. I right. heard that and I was saying the same thing. What yes. Do- Can we expand on that? Absolutely. So... Again, who am I? What do I know? I'm just going to shed what I've information I've learned and things that I've done in, in my books and the works that I've done. I think carbs aren't necessarily your enemy. And a lot of different programs out there seem to paint that picture without saying names. I just don't agree with that. I think the key is three elements of carbs. One is 
carb choice, right? Which ones do you choose? Brown rice, white rice, sweet potato, regular potato, corn tortilla, flour tortilla. You get the idea. Um, so I think there are good carbs, or I should say healthier carbs and not. I think you need to be aware of which ones are good, which ones are not so good. Number two, portion control. And number three, as you guys brought up, what I call carb placement. Carb placement is when do we need carbs? Carbs are an energy source typically, right? Whereas protein is more of a long-term thing. Carbs are like, I'm going to go work out right now. I can eat this bar. It has whatever, you know, 30 grams of carbs in it, and I'm going to burn it off, you know, however you do it. I try to limit people, depending on where you are in your weight journey, to two servings of carbs. I, I use this thing called the rule of twos. I've been doing this for, honest, no joke, 20 years. The rule of twos is basically two carbs or two servings of carbs before 2 p.m. Simple. Most people will do one for breakfast, one for lunch. The point being, after 2 o'clock, we really don't need a lot of carbs. Um, now, if you're in, in really, if you're fit and you're happy with your weight and you're cool and you're not in a weight loss, then it's fine to have them for dinner or whatever. Again, carb placement, carb choice has to be in the forefront of your mind, but it's carb placement that's critical because you need carbs to, to get through your day. We, we, you know, most of us do five, eight, 10,000 steps a day. You need some energy source. So I think depending on what your goal is, if it's losing weight, if it's maintaining weight, I, I think I try to stick, and I live by this, after two o'clock I stick to primarily sources of protein and unlimited vegetables salads you name it veggies are like the exception carb exactly yeah i mean yeah when i say i guess i mean like low the comp- density correct. Yeah. low right. density exactly they're, they're an anytime carb have them whenever you want all day every yeah, day. yeah exactly well, yeah it's unlimited and it's fiber right so mm-hmm. it fills you and all those good things makes all the uh stuff move around inside you properly <laughs> but yeah you know i think carb placement is important i think you know i Carbs got a bad name, and I just think we gave it a bad name because of the carbs we choose and how much we choose to have of them. That's right. And I love that you put this in this context because this is what Melanie and I always drive home with our patients. We've talked about it on the previous podcast, is this idea that like food as fuel, mm-hmm. and we need carbs. Our brain needs carbs. We need carbs to do things. And I think it's just very practical to be like, okay, before 2 p.m., for a lot of us, that's when we're moving the most. Most of our schedules, right? Right. So if you're gonna work out at you know five p.m. and put in two hours of exercise, you might want to have a little carbs at three or four. Right. But for most of us, we pack it in when the sun goes down, and we're not doing a whole lot. Exactly. So you don't need that quick energy source anymore. Mm-hmm. It makes me happy to hear you say that this is your guys's philosophy, because quite honestly, the listeners out there, these guys know way no more than I do about nutrition. <laughs> you know, I just, I'm a family medicine doctor and I happen to have a minor in my nutritional efforts. Um, but I can't try to do it from a practical sense. I don't know the, the details and the trick. It's not my thing. I've always kind of just been straightforward with my patients and painted a practical, approachable picture. You know, what I always say about diet, it has to have a couple of key elements. It has to be likable. It has to be doable. Um, and it has to be sustainable. And, and I think that's super important and affordable. So uh, LADS, LADS is what I call it. Likeable, affordable, doable, sustainable. I like it. And, and I think if you follow a LADS diet, I think you're happier. 
too, right? You know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've gone, not this office, because everybody here is usually pretty health conscious, but back in the day when we actually had like, caf, not cafeterias, but break rooms where people you go in and eat, and I would go into my other office and I would see people eating their quote unquote lunch, and it would be like something that was not entirely appetizing. They'd be choking it down like they were eating dirt. I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm having lunch, I'm on this diet. I'm like, well, good luck with that. <laughs> Listen, you know, you got to like what you're eating. It's got to be affordable. We live in a, a socioeconomic conundrum, especially going on with everything else. Um, it's got to be doable, right? You can't say, oh, yeah, I'm just going to eat, um, you know, avocado three meals a day for a month. I don't know. Some people would be on board with that. Well, in addition <laughs> to other things, right? And it's got to be sustainable. Yeah. I, I don't want anybody to ever be choking down a meal. I want them to be eating it with gusto, knowing that, hey, this is going to serve its purpose. You bring up a good point, which is, and people say this all the time, well, I work, my work schedule is I start at one in the afternoon. I'm like, okay, well then the same applies. The, the point being like that five to six hours, four or five, four to six hours before you go to bed, most of us are pretty inactive. There are a few outliers out there who will exercise, exercise, and then jump in bed. I, I can't do that. No, I, I go no. bananas. But there's some weird people like that that they <laughs> they like exercise and then they just pass out. Like I would never go to sleep. I'm so amped. I'm like, nope, I'm ready for right? the day. Let's go. So I think it's you know, figure out where your energy level. You know, divide. I divide the your day into eight hour bits, right? Um, and you know, there's the first eight, the second eight, and the third eight. Well, you may be if you work a swim shift or a graveyard or whatever, it may be different. Mine, my day starts at usually. 5.30 or 6, and it's done at 6. So I got I have that sort of 6 to 12, 12 to 6. And then after 6, like my dinner, I, I you know, I get my workouts either early in the morning or between whenever it is. But yeah, it's, uh, I think carb placement is, for me, it's always worked and I try to do it with my patients. And I think it gives them some liberty in terms of, okay, you know, I can have some of these things. They're not necessarily going to destroy me. But. I think that's also a good point you make too, because something that I've been teaching my patients as well is the, the fact that you know most of our day is spent in the early parts of the day where we're most active, so that's when you need the most food as well. So this whole concept of tiny breakfast, ma like medium lunch, and then massive dinner right. doesn't really fit if you're super active before four o'clock because you need all those calories when you're doing stuff. Right. And so we see these people who have these massive dinners because that's just kind of the expectation these days. So. Right. It's what we do. You know, I not that I'm a NASCAR fan, but I I always do a lot of sort of. Um, sort of a comparisons to sports is what I do. But when you watch a NASCAR race, if you watch a NASCAR race, it's, it's, it's incredibly technical how they do it. And when they look at fueling the cars, these guys fuel these cars heavily with the idea that they want to finish the race with no gas in the tank because extra gas, extra weight slows you down unnecessary to finish the, the, the finish, to get to the finish line. So the point is fuel early, Use the fuel you need. You need to stop and get gas at lunch because you got another six hours or whatever. Get some more gas. But coast into your day at the end without a full tank because the full tank will weigh you down and, and pack on the pounds. And this is so huge, actually, because I've been thinking about exactly this lately. I've been tracking my own sleep. 
And the other reason to take your food consumption down at the end of the day is that you will sleep better. Yeah. If you have completely digested your food, when you go to bed and you have nothing in your tank, your body can completely shut down. And I've noticed that recently with myself that like when I stopped eating early in the day and by the time I went to bed, I was kind of hungry. Not like white knuckle hungry, but like, oh, Enough. I, I, I kind of want to eat. And then suddenly, like, my deep sleep went up by an hour. Wow. That's and a I, significant amount. Right? Yeah. So now I'm, like, edging off on my food a little bit earlier, not because I want to lose weight or change some aesthetic thing. It's because I... I notice that right. my sleep is better. It's so true. You sleep better. You feel more refreshed. Um, I think, uh, you know, hydration is a big part of that throughout the day. I, I tell people, you know, it's one question I'm asked all the time. What is the single most important thing you can do today to get healthier? Drink water. Mm-hmm. The end. I mean, it is so critical. I think 85% of people walk around dehydrated. I'm in that group from time to time. And it's palpable to me halfway through my day. Well, you're a swimmer, so that makes sense. Because if you get water in your tongue, it tricks your brain, makes you think you're hydrated when <laughs> you're not. Right. So, I mean, that's a whole physiological thing that's happening to you. So very, that's why you're dehydrated. Very good point. <laughs> I mean, I, I walk around my water constantly. Even like my, the people who work in my other office, they're always like, God, you drink so much water. I'm like, yeah, you know. It, but I know if you get into your day, you get stressed or whatever, you get busy. And if, if you don't get that water intake, it's very palpable to me. Halfway through my day, I'm like, why am I so tired today? I'm like, I drink no water. It's easy to do, right? You know, we think of dehydration as laying on the ground shriveled up and with no blood pressure. That's not really what it is. That's a severe form of it. But, you know, not getting that adequate hydration every day or over-caffeinating yourself is, it can really make you feel lousy. And you notice it, and I notice it, and I know Melanie notices it too, because once you are hydrated and you feel that dehydration, your, your brain goes, oh, like I'm totally. feeling bad because of this. But if you're chronically dehydrated and you're walking around feeling like crud all day, every day, you tend to think this is just what it feels like to be alive. <laughs> That's an excellent point. And it is so true. And I tell my patients, just give yourself a seven-day fluid challenge because you're right. People don't recognize, they just think this is normal. And oh, I'm just tired all the time. I yeah, just get headaches. Why? Right. Yeah. I have stomach acid problems. I get cramps. My muscles hurt. I, you know, all of these things. I feel like I have a fog or I don't think, you know, the thing is when you give them and it doesn't take long, a seven day fluid challenge, you just stay adequately hydrated for seven days. They will come to you and go, wow. And, but you make a, a very, very good point at one that I've really never thought of, because if you're always feeling like that, you just think. And, you know, how could it be just water? And can be. Mm-hmm. But great point. Yeah. I, I think that that is true for, for healthy living in, like, across the board. Like, when you live unhealthily and you live in that body, mm-hmm. you just start to feel this is, this is just what it feels like to be alive. Yeah. And until you get healthy and you experience both sides, you don't realize what, what you're missing. Yeah, and I think it's so true. You know, people will say, gosh, you know, it happens with exercise a lot, right? When you tell people, just start doing something, whatever you can do. And they come back to you and they're like, I wish I'd have started doing this before. Because if you don't know what's on the other side, then, uh, you know, you just assume that where you are is as good as it gets. And I think, quite honestly, it's probably not the case most of the time. So what what a great point to end on. Yeah. So 
know that you there is another side. The grass is greener on the healthy side. Totally. It is. <laughs> and I think I think I'm going to challenge everybody listening to do your 7-day hydration challenge. 7 days, what 64 ounces of water a 64 day? 64 adding in additional for any caffeine that you have. Okay. So I call those negative waters, right? Negative waters are anything caffeinated. And then try to avoid from any sugary kind of stuff, right? If you need a little flavor, throw some fruit in there Wouldn't or whatever. alcohol fall into that as well? Alcohol is a negative water yeah. as well. So, you know, i.e. if you have, let's just say, eight glasses of water, but you have one cup of coffee and, you know, one beer with dinner, then you want to have two additional glasses of water. But try to keep a positive of eight net and just add a little extra. And people say, well, then I, you know... But I drink a lot of caffeine. Well, that's okay. Make sure you drink a ton of water to go with it. And eventually they get tired of getting up and going to the bathroom and they cut back on one or the other. Hopefully it's the caffeine. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, you guys. So if you take the challenge, uh, put your results in the comments. We, we want to hear from you. And um, thank you so much for coming, Dr. Mike. This yeah, was so you. enlightening and educational today. Ton of fun. Yeah, I hope to come back and uh, we'll pick some. Uh, maybe we'll get some of the listeners to send them s- some ideas and thoughts and uh, we'll uh, kick them around. Yeah. Absolutely. Great. Thank you guys both. Right, Tons of fun. You. I learn a ton from you guys all the time. Now <laughs> I feel better just because you said that some of the things I said, you're like, yeah, that's what we always say. I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> Validation. Yes. That's right. All right. Well, thank you again. And until next time, everybody. Bye.